Happy New Year, one and all. It's uh, us once again, us by way of myself, Benji, alongside my faithful companion, uh, as always, and especially now coming into the new year, Mr. Jamie Larson. How are you, Jamie? I'm good, mate. Howdy, listeners. It's good to be back. We weren't um, too early on the return, were we? We were pretty fucking late, but that's all right. We got there in the end. (laughs) We're uh, already into, uh, well, if we had a swear jar, we'd already be putting away into it. Uh, anyway, but um, yes, this is once again another Icky Procast, um, another hour or so podcast, just a, you know, bit of pop culture, bit of thoughts and feelings and, uh, you know, the usual kind of thing that all 12 people like to listen to. Um, as always, let's talk about how you can get in contact or visit us now Twitter at Ikigai Pro, Instagram, Ikigai X Pro, uh, and on the internet. Now, pump the brakes for a minute. You might think we're on WordPress. Somebody for Christmas got a .net address. So mm-hmm. if you want to follow us now, read all the articles that we've got coming up, uh, including an article about my addiction being a basketball trade, uh, basketball card collector should i say um jacob sue has done another fantastic piece on real groovy and of course jamie's done a bit on cowboy bebop you can visit us now at www.ikigaipro.net there is one thing You're... i do want to ask you about mate because i I know, yeah. I know obviously we've got a lot to talk about we've got a lot to cover we're already well into the year but the one thing i want to know is uh, what do you think was possibly one of the most disappointing uh, trading card collections that you could possibly own? Because uh, for me personally, because I was thinking about this when I was reading your article, um, it has to be the Weetabix like rugby cards. But I feel like there must be something far more drab and depressing than those. Uh, the Shortland Street trading card series that came out in 1995 that Card Crazy put out themselves. That was not a thing. It was a thing. Bugger off, was it really? Yeah, you wait until I put the images up on the uh, on the article itself, and <laughs> and you'll see. No, it was a thing. Uh, I remember that originally you could send a letter to either TVNZ or Pacific Pictures, uh, saying, "Oh, I'm a big fan of Shortland Street. Can I get some postcards, please?" And they would just give you a whole bunch of postcards, which was interesting because when Maeve was doing a, a sub edit of the article, she went, "Oh, I had those postcards as well." But the actual trading card series was just, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I'm biased because, uh, you know, around that time I was collecting NBA cards. You know, I was uh, still just finishing that um, X Men Fleer collection around 1995 as well. Um, but nothing can be as god awful as Tazos if you ever got that in New Zealand. Oh, get out, mate. No, no, no. Tazos, Tazos were the best purely because uh, the, the whole collection of them was basically. Uh, revolving around eating packets of crisps, which, uh, well, sorry, chips for uh, the New Zealand audiences out there. Um, come on, it wasn't that bad, was it? I, I don't know about it, man. It was like a pog mixed with kind of stickle bricks oh, or yeah. connects, whatever it was called. Um, anyway, it'd be interesting to see uh, what other people think was the worst series of trading cards uh, that were out there, or indeed if they even care. We've got a new email address, hello at ekagaipro.net. That's hello at ekagaipro.net. So coming up on today's show, we're going to, of course, have to have a brief conversation about um, the BAFTA and the Grammy Awards. Uh, Jamie's going to talk a little bit more uh, about the genie reveal, Will Smith as genie in the live-action Aladdin. We're going to talk a little bit about what we watched on this, you know, extended break that we've had. Or if we were musicians, we'd call it an extended hiatus, however you'd like to call it. Um, Then we are definitely going to do a bit more of a deep delve into Ted Bundy, uh, subject of both a documentary on Netflix and a forthcoming movie starring Zac Efron. Yeah, that's that Zac Efron. Um, That's going to be our main feature today. But I'd be remiss to discuss a little bit about the changes that's happening with the website for 2019 uh we've got some new contributors coming on hand which is fantastic so expect a bit more from the world of anime so it's not all falling on jamie's lap expect uh, a bit more on wrestling as well uh, very interesting to see that the wrestling article that i put up about chris brooks did really well and i really appreciate everybody checking that out 
wrestling being on the bit of the upswing at the minute, it would be uh, very rude not to incorporate that a little bit because, you know, wrestling became a big part of popular culture. I still see a lot of people these days that walk around with Austin 316 shirts, uh, a bit more from the art world as well. Um, yeah, just a, a stack load coming up, which maybe, Jamie, people can forgive us for the extended break throughout January. But, you know, the other thing we wanted to do, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, is that we want to focus a bit more on the long read kind of things. So it might take Nothing us a working. little bit more time to concentrate on doing longer articles um, rather than the arbitrary copying and pasting of press releases. So every Friday we're going to do a bit of a digest about the music side of things, but uh, I'm going to make this call now, Jamie, uh, as editor-in-chief. I think there's a lot of music websites and blogs out there. Perhaps we'd like to just veer into a, a bit of a different direction. I'm not saying we'll never do music, but I'm just saying that there's more to popular culture than just, you know, someone's favourite rock band. Yeah, as much as I did try to steer Benji, our editor-in-chief, as he so rightly put it, uh, into uh, the the direction of uh, listicles uh, with uh, great gifts from Disney films, among many other things, and which character really fits your personality, uh, yeah, probably the long read uh, kind of direction does seem like the better fit. And also, um, we have plenty of time to delve into what films, video games, and other uh, forms of media are problematic in this time, and that will be certainly to come, but it won't be our main story. We've definitely got a hell of a lot more that will come with the Ikakai family, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do want to be a bit more socially aware, of course. Yes. I mean, like me and Jamie talked about in uh, one of the podcasts last year, it's kind of hard to steer away from social awareness and social issues uh, when it's becoming more and more intertwined and ingrained with popular culture. But, um, you know, we're also going to try and focus on more positive things uh, yeah. uh, when it comes to me. I might just go down memory lane uh, more often than not. I don't know if I'm going to have grandkids to share these stories with, so I'd rather share it with the general public. Um, anyway, now we've given all the excuses about what's going to go on with the website and why we've been away. Uh, I think it's more than fair to say let's crack into a bit of news and we'll get back to what we've been used to doing in the podcast uh, of old. Um, so BAFTA and Grammy Awards both happened over the weekend. Um, the favourite, starring Olivia Coleman, just swept up all the awards. Um, I can't believe that a, a, an, an actress from Peep Show was where I discovered Olivia Coleman the most. Yes. Um, as now uh, up for well, the best Oscar performance, you know, she's up for that gong. Um, Rami Malek, of course, as expected, won uh, Best uh, Actor at the BAFTAs for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, which I ended up seeing. Um, pretty stock standard affair in terms of who won the awards, don't you think, Jamie? Yeah, I was actually going to say, one thing I'm actually quite curious about, um, purely because of the fact, and I know I'm probably going to get shot in the street for saying this um, or even discussing this fact, but um, there was... Um, a massive inkling from my part that I was like, no, I'm actually not going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody. I know that sounds stupid because it was one of the most hyped films of the year, uh, but a lot of people did say that the film itself was disappointing, but I'm glad that Remy Malek did actually take out lead actor because the thing is, he is an extremely talented actor, uh, but I'm a bit disappointed to see that he was attached to this film because I think he's been in so many other good um, pieces of content, Mr. Robot being one of my favourite pieces of um, TV that he's actually been involved in, but glad to see these getting the recognition he deserves. Uh, there was uh, a couple of uh, things I was quite curious about as well. Uh, original music, A Star Is Born winning that, massively deserved. I think Lady Gaga is heavily underrated, and I think it's fantastic that she's winning more and more of these awards, but the one that stand, yeah. out, stand out for me... I think I have to say is uh, Best Animated Film, which of course was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I think massively deserves it because it's had so much like crossover appeal. I know many people that have no interest in superhero films, let alone animated films, who have said they just absolutely loved it, not only the film itself, but the soundtrack, saying it was possibly one of the best, I guess, cinematic experiences they've been to. Well, I mean, it breaks up the monotony of kind of like Pixar, Disney, DreamWorks, DreamWorks, Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, Disney, you know, that, that repeated pattern. I mean, I haven't been excited about uh, an animated win since Spirited Away. 
um, got the nod many moons ago, you know. Oh, completely. Um, and from, from all accounts I've heard, um, it's not even just a good superhero animated flick, uh, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse. It's, uh, it's just a good movie full stop that people, you know... Uh, really enjoy even if they're not i mean i think everybody to an extent has a rudimentary idea of what spider-man's all about Mm. um but what's even more awesome is that you know the focus was on the miles morales incarnation of spider-man more so than you know uh, i mean i know peter parker was there and you know spider pig and and, and, you know uh, spider ham sorry uh, and (laughs) everyone else but um no it was really cool to see that miles morales um I mean, I still would like to see Donald Glover. That's never going to oh, happen now. Do not Portray stop. a Marv Morales, you know. But, yes. you know, we, we can't have everything. Uh, and that seeks very, very nicely into uh, talking about the Grammys because mm-hmm. Donald Glover practically won everything. If I remember correctly, he uh, this is America won Song of the Year, but he didn't attend. Got to love that. And I have to say, I actually give him massive credit. And the whole Grammy uh, ceremony, I guess, this year was pretty interesting and kind of uh, wrought with controversy. I'm not really one to pay attention much to the Grammys. And I know that sounds terrible because I'm obviously writing for a pop culture website. But for me personally, I never thought I would actually say this. But um, obviously, you must have read the news about Drake's comments, Drake's speech at the Grammys, and how um, I guess there was a lot of furor around that because he was cut off. Uh, not long uh, through the speech itself. But for anyone who did miss it, um, Drake obviously discussed the fact that he was very thankful about winning the award that he did, uh, but was basically saying, why does anyone care? This means nothing to me. Uh, This is an award to basically pat the backs of the business people that have put us here. Uh, But apart from that, it doesn't really matter. You, the audience, matters. And I think that's possibly one of the greatest speeches I've probably heard in the last wee while um, take place at a Grammy. But, um, yeah, I think the Grammys in general were quite interesting. And I don't know if you um, noticed as well, uh, I guess, the controversy that came about from uh, the Miss, I guess, nomination slash uh, winning title from Mac Miller, the fact he missed out on his nod. Did you hear about that? No, I, I, I heard about that. I mean, th- that ties into some controversy with Ariana Grande, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're bang on there, mate, which was basically Ariana Grande uh, getting quite annoyed at the fact that Cardi B ended up taking out, I believe it was the best rap album that Mac Miller was in with, um, which I just find quite stupid, really, in all honesty. I think the controversy surrounding that is quite pathetic uh, on um, Ariana Grande's part and also the general audience's part as well for getting annoyed at the fact that Cardi B ended up taking it out because I think realistically she massively deserves it she's possibly one of the biggest and most influential artists at the moment and um even though i personally don't really like her music i think what she puts forward is fantastic really but i mean the grammys is more about if i'm correct the grammys is more the industry side of things than the popular vote is that correct yeah completely it always has been so so i mean like i don't think ariana grande should be i mean yeah it's upsetting when you don't win an award but you know, it's voted by industry types, you know. Like, at the end of the day, Ariana Grande's still going to have all of her fans. She is going to still sell out arena shows. She's still going to be a huge, huge, huge success, you know. Uh, and uh, she'll just prove Drake's point right that, you know, we, we, we touched upon before uh, talking about this Cardi B, Ariana, Ariana Grande, Mac Miller situation um you don't need the award for the validation and and he's he's spot on i mean it's nice and it's always a good thing to put into a press release like you know take award nominated band such and such you know um but it doesn't guarantee that your album's going to sell a lot more as is you know what we've seen in regards to um sales of popular music full stop i mean we weren't going to talk about it but hmv closing down a whole bunch of stores including their flagship oxford street uh store um that's incredibly worrying for music and then you've got the canadian um i've forgotten his name now but you've got uh, from the canadian investor that's bailed out a couple more hmvs because he's a vinyl enthusiast i know vinyl sales are on the up but Come on, are they going to save an entire branch of a, a of a brick and mortar store? You know, but that's for another time. You know, and I think the Cardi B thing, Ariana Grande thing, the media love it when pop stars fight, don't they? Oh, completely. Yeah, that seems to yeah, be just a running theme. Um, to be quite honest, which 
uh, is quite sad. But to be honest, yeah, it's it's going back to, I guess, my point. Because I know you do like uh, paying attention to the Grammys, and fair enough, because uh, there are some interesting nominations, and it is really good to see um, some artists who personally, um, maybe not the most popular artists, uh, getting the credit they deserve, um, which is fantastic. But for me personally, yeah, I do think it's like you said, um, it is basically just businessmen. Uh, pen themselves I mean, on the back. I, I I cared more about the Baptists than the Grammys to be oh, perfectly completely. honest with you. Yeah, you know? So I think, you know, my time of kind of I have to watch the Grammys, yeah, you know, it, it was a passing interest, you know. Was it one of What's... those things that you completely forgot that it was even happening? Because it was certainly the case for me. I'd only realized about two or three days ago that it was actually happening. Well, I mean, when we did when I did the run sheet, I thought, you know what, we're we're gonna have to make mention of this, you know. It, it's been covered <laughs> everywhere left right and center but it's always not you know we're just two more voices in the wilderness giving an opinion about you know another award ceremony much like we're going to be two more voices in the online wilderness giving an opinion about the genie reveal in the live action <laughs> aladdin movie um well i don't know where to begin with this one um jamie you're the master of all things meme there's been a ton of memes already about this um, I want to hear what your take about Will Smith's reveal as the genie. Okay, do you want do you want my honest opinion? Okay, I'm just going to start off by saying the fact that um, the Aladdin film itself, the animated film, was never actually my favourite film. I was more of a fan of the TV series, and for anyone who can relate to this, preach, because it was a great TV series. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how they've gone about uh, the casting. Will Smith in particular... Now, this is just my personal opinion because I know, obviously, it's a live action. Will Smith, not a terrible casting, but dear Lord, what the hell is going on with the CGI? It is absolutely atrocious. Like, it is, it is like, frustratingly, annoyingly atrocious. The thing is, I, I think anyone who keeps on saying, this is Robin Williams' role, not fucking wasn't. It wasn't Robin Williams' role. Yeah, he did a fantastic job, but it's, it's the genie. It can be played by anyone. I'm actually more than happy with Will Smith playing the genie, but yeah, dear Lord, it looks fucking terrible. It looks atrocious. Now, I, I mean, this is going to be one of those occasions where I, I have to respectfully disagree with you on the Robin Williams thing. I think that, yeah, you're right. You could have anyone else play that role of the genie, but it... it, it Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your stance, <laughs> he absolutely owned that role. And a lot of people cite Robin Williams' inclusion doing voice acting in an animated movie very much kickstarted the idea that actually you could be a successful Hollywood actor and not demean yourself by doing a voice acting role. So, no, I, I mean, like, it was always going to be very large shoes to fill or a very large lamp to fill. I think... Oh, yeah. But come on, like, seriously, the one role I am actually really frustrated about, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say I'm miffed, I'm going to go very British with this. I'm miffed about the fact that Ben Kingsley was not cast as Jafar. Like, fucking hell. He would have been easily the best person to play Jafar. And no disrespect to Marwin. Like, I'm sure he's going to be great. But what were you thinking, directors? You had the prime opportunity to use Ben Kingsley. He's possibly the most terrifying individual uh, who would work the best within that role. And also, where the hell is Gilbert Godfrey? They should have brought him back. I don't care. He should have been brought back for the parrot. Let's be real. Um, I, my thoughts on, on the whole kind of like reveal, um, it doesn't look good. Oh, I it think looks atrocious. When, if they, if they had played it as some of the shots before the, the reveal where it was just Will Smith looking like Will Smith, um, <laughs> I think people would have, would have allowed that. It would have been a free pass. It would have been, all right, cool. So he's not blue, but you know, we get it. We, we, we can suspend our disbelief. Uh, and the fact, well, we can unsuspend our disbelief that a genie could actually be, you know, a, a fully formed human being rather than like a anamorphic character. Oh, exactly, like God, the theater show. It looks, it looks ugly. It's like a there's a animation studio in Brazil that does cheap knockoffs the moment that movies are released in the cinema. It looks like a cheapo budget blue. Shrek meets the Smurfs kind of crossover. <laughs> but I mean, you know, as we said last year, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what the final thing's going to be. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, a, a, there's a ton of memes out there and it's elicited so much kind of 
polarizing views ultimately um now i haven't had the opportunity jamie to ask you in a public forum during the break if there if you've watched a couple of these things that certainly have made the news um got to start off with fire festival because everybody's done a bit of it did you watch both the documentaries i watched one of them and i have to say um yeah, it's not hard to think that obviously the guy who spent God knows how much on um, obviously yachts, boat parties and prostitutes, among many other things, um, is a complete bloody twat. And um, I think the people obviously, and it was shown in the documentaries, who you really feel for are the staff who obviously uh, forked out their own financial, um, I guess, yeah, basically they, they fucked over a lot of people. And there's no two words about it. Yeah, I just... It saddened me. It deeply saddened me. And I think one of the things that really frustrated me was, uh, I believe, wasn't there talks of the fact that, and I feel terrible because I should remember his name, uh, but the person who obviously was cheering uh, Fire Festival had the audacity to actually ask whether he'd be paid for his appearances. Yeah, no, that's correct, because that's what differentiates between the Netflix uh, documentary. And the Hulu documentary is that the Hulu documentary um, did pay um, the founder of Fire Festival uh, for his appearances, but the Netflix team would not. Uh, what has come to light, though, and uh, it's by virtue of watching uh, Philip DeFranco's show on YouTube, we'll include a link below, much like Phil does on his show, um, is that the producers of the Netflix show were Jerry Media, otherwise known as Fuck Jerry who are the people that look to promote Fire Festival, you know, through social influence and stuff like that. Now, what that begs the question, Jamie, is that can we can we honestly look at that as a completely objective piece of documentary filmmaking, knowing that the people that perhaps should shoulder some of the responsibility for the fiasco you know, are involved producing it. Perhaps, you know, they have included their own narrative in order to push it more towards the founder and Ja Rule uh, and less against themselves. Because ultimately, the reason why a lot of people went was the amount of hype on Instagram, hype that Fuck Jerry Media themselves created. And I'm not a big fan of Fuck Jerry anyway, because they steal other people's content oh, and pass it off themselves, you know? So... Um, I find it real difficult. Great documentary. The fact that they asked that guy to go down um, on someone at the ports in order to get all of that water and he was prepared to do it. Everybody needs somebody like that on their team. You know, squad goals, that guy. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just couldn't believe. And there was such a sense of schadenfreude. I was part amused that all of these people with, you know, stupid amounts of money got suckered into doing this. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of, I feel real guilty that I'm feeling a sense of glee that, you know, all of these entitled kind of hipsters uh, have been missold on something, you know? Yeah, I think that was, I, I think I definitely follow you in that opinion as well. I think it was sad, obviously, there was a lot of these uh, rich white kids who obviously got totally taken for a ride, but in the same respect... If I was in the same position, I would be totally, totally distraught. Like, what? what I would mean, you, what, what, God, like you they, personally, what would you have done in that situation? Like, I don't know, man, because they just got feral, didn't they? There was that. Oh, yeah. There was one of them commenting that uh, him and his friends just decided to trash a whole bunch of tents around them because all they wanted was their own kind of like little hub, and it was like that's fucking disgusting. You know, people are struggling. You know, it's. No one knows where to go. They're in the middle of practically nowhere. There's no real means of getting back to mainland, you know. And yet some people have the audacity to, to ruin other tents or to to loot mattresses, you know. It just, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'd do, you know. Marianne Roll, though, was the one character that stuck out to me. And I say character because obviously... Uh, the filmmakers themselves portrayed her as a character, a relatable face, obviously, to uh, bode sympathy, and I do have sympathy for it, but I just thought that was outright disgusting, considering, like you said, Jerry Media is associated with the very film itself. Um, oh, it's just very... The whole thing is very questionable, shady, and there's a lot of individuals who have been dragged through this, which I... Oh, God, I don't even want to get into it, really. <laughs> 
No, I mean it, it's it was definitely viewing, but it was it was car crash viewing. Oh, I yeah. don't think I think say for one or two people, no one really came out looking good after that um after that documentary. Apart from maybe fuck Jerry, but now a lot of people <laughs> online are taking fuck Jerry the task because, you know, have they flipped the narrative? But you know, it was just a balls up one hundred percent they should have canned the festival when they had the chance, but you know, dreamers, what can you do? Exactly. Have, have you have you had a chance to watch Escape at Danny Morrow yet? No, I haven't, man. I won't lie. There was one thing that kind of uh, took me by surprise quite early on, and I know this is totally off topic in terms of uh, the usual good content that I'm sure a lot of people expect us to watch. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. I'm just going to give it a quick aside. Uh, did you actually uh, manage to watch DC Titans? No, I didn't get to watch DC Titans. Okay, I totally slammed this uh, just before the new year. I said this was going to be the worst piece of shit that DC had put out. It looked disappointing, it looked trashy, it looked try-hard edgy. I have to say, it surprisingly did an alright job, and I take back my words. I think it's the first time I've ever been actually pleasantly surprised. I was ready to go through the suffering. But hey, it's actually a decent series. Maybe DC have actually managed to do something alright. Did it take a couple of episodes to get into it? I I will uh I will put note that of course uh it did take about two episodes I'd say maybe three if I was being brave uh for it to get into something slightly more I guess digestible but for the most part uh the story itself the writing is actually decent enough uh that even the first three episodes kind of get you involved and get you kind of intrigued in the whole storyline itself so if you do want something worthy to check out that is kind of more in the DC realm and you want to take a break from Marvel's um cinematic universe definitely recommend it and it's very dark it's very very dark I was quite surprised I was expecting something that was going to be uh just trashy and um, yeah, obviously very just like meme lord edgy, uh, but no, it's surprisingly good. But yeah, do tell me more about Escape at um, Danny no, Morrow. Cause, cause, I, yeah. I was going to say, because Escape from Danny Morris sounds like similar. I mean, it, it, it is incredibly gritty. I mean, it, it's directed by Ben Stiller. Um, I'm not too sure if it's still on Sky Atlantic, uh, if it's on, I mean, it was a Showtime piece as well, which was, you know, a cable cable network in the United States. Um, Patricia Arquette, fantastic, you know, based on a true story about two convicts that fled uh, Clinton Correctional Facility in upstate New York. It, it was grim. It was grim. It was gritty. It was scummy. It got under my skin, not in a pleasant way. How can anything get under your skin in a pleasant way? I, I, I just don't know. Um, it had me, though. I was just absolutely transformed. Fixed, you know, Benicio del Toro, I think, was robbed of an award uh, regarding that miniseries. You know, um, Paul Dano, I've always been a massive fan, going back to oh, his work in The Sopranos, which was another TV show that I absolutely kind of just rinsed while we were away. In fact, look, I'll be honest: the reason why we haven't been online is that I needed to finish all seven, well, six seven seasons of the sopranos um yeah it's great it's just grimy you know the sex scenes aren't exactly glamorous i mean you know we brought up the sopranos let's let's juxtapose you know yeah yeah definitely definitely tony soprano's sex scenes okay i mean they're not glamorous by any means it's it's kind of like you know me when i'm with a girl you know it's like i'm not taking my shirt off my socks are still on I'm just laying on a bed. That's it, you know. But at the way that they've shot it, there is that kind of eroticness about it. Now, as opposed to the sex scenes in Escape at Danny Mora, which, you know, oh, I, I hate being graphic here, but I have to. So yeah, I'll give people do. a moment to brace themselves. Lord. Okay. Which involved a lot of spit lubrication and a lot oh. of just kind of, you know, just standard, you know. I know that sounds weird. I love Jamie, how you say that just of... standard. I feel I feel like this has definitely gone into a more raunchy podcast. I didn't realise we were going for <laughs> yeah, erotica. Sorry, man. But sorry. But you know It's only totally right of... though, man. Like there is two in betweens. You have the Sopranos where it's almost like an uncomfortable uh, sort of sex scene made erotic, whereas that is just straight out disturbing, really. No, it's just yeah, it's just kinda of like the gritty realities of like, you know, oh that you know, they're having sex in a bush. 
Fair play. Well, when you've been in prison that long, man, I guess you do kind of get into that sort of, I guess, realm. And uh, sorry if anyone who's obviously listening, um, this is probably a very sensitive subject. But yeah, you know, at least they're portraying it accurately. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, aside from that, no, it was just absolutely fantastic, riveting. And again, um, just how the first half of the series uh, makes you feel certain ways towards the characters, which by the end of it, you feel completely ambivalent and indifferent towards a couple of them. Um, if it if it is still on Sky Atlantic, it is definitely worth a watch. Uh, or just check out, you know, your television listings wherever you are in the world. And if you get a chance to watch it, um, uncomfortable, but definitely, definitely gripping viewing. Uh, and then look, just, uh, just a, very lastly, um, I've been watching a lot more Family Guy. I just think that each season it's getting sharper and sharper and sharper, uh, as opposed to South Park, which uh, South Park was incredibly sharp, definitely very witty. But I don't know, man. I feel very weird with South Park now because they definitely have a handle on what's going on in real life. It's just depressing to have to live through it, not to just see it kind of like a mirror being shown back in our face, you know, almost kind of like how black mirror shined that mirror back in our face, you know? And it's like, I know this is going on and I get this is entertaining viewing, but I might need something else just to disengage because I'm living through this. I don't need my form of entertainment to be basically showing me what I'm living through and trying to escape. Yeah, I can kind of get that. I won't lie. I will, uh, I think I think I'm probably of the different take. I think I've started to enjoy South Park a hell of a lot more purely because it is taking a more realistic approach compared to. And don't get me wrong, I did like South Park in the early days when it was completely outrageous and um, obviously the tone of it was completely different. But I do think um, Family Guy for me it got to a stage almost like The Simpsons where I just become became numb to the whole um, series oh. itself. And I know that sounds really terrible, but as no, the no, older no. I've got. The, the less I like it. Um, it's like, I don't know why. I don't I honestly cannot put my finger on why I've liked Family Guy less and less as the years go on. But South Park, for me, has just got better and better. And I know a lot of people play the whole thing of like, oh, what are you, a 14-year-old teenager who uh, thinks fart and bum jokes are really funny and just like pure offensiveness is just for the sake of it's really stupid. Um, yeah, it is true. Yeah, South Park is sometimes uh, outright out like offensive just for the sake of it but in the same respect i think the two writers obviously are so intelligent uh, i think it's hard to ignore the fact that they do hit the nail on the head a lot of the time and i think one of the things oh, that really um i don't know definitely. i think one of the more poignant ones for me was when they apologized for their comments towards al gore and climate change i think that was one of the finest moments and I guess, television history. The fact that these guys, who are usually very self-aware, ended up finally apologising for something that they blatantly, I guess, got wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, like, ultimately, South Park is, uh, is woke. And uh, hmm. that's a term that gets used quite a lot these days, you know, so I feel comfortable using it. South Park's definitely woke. We had that entire arc with PC Principal. Uh, we had the entire arc with um, Kyle's dad, uh no 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 what's this no what's Karl Broflowski's dad called Gerald Gerald, Gerald. Broflowski basically being a troll and you know and oh yeah I, I think for me though it was kind of I liked to disengage like, I don't mind that they take pot shots at the real world and stuff like that you know when they did the whole gentrification of a uh, you know the shitty part of town. I thought that was an absolutely brilliant kind of rebuke to the idea of how gentrification looks pretty, but in an actuality, it does affect those people that have been there for a long amount of time. But, you know, then it just it started to really hit home the kind of social issues, which is great. But again, I go to cartoon series sometimes to try and disengage from what is happening with the world i guess different horses for different courses you know i mean i'm glad you're i'm glad you really enjoy it you know and and, and you're right it's, it's, it's bang on the meme at the minute you know it's definitely very current and very real in its approach to what we're living in in the world i just think perhaps my kind of attentiveness back into family guys to kind of disengage and just you know 
drown out some of the loud voices that are going on around us. Oh, completely, mate. No, I can fully understand that. Like, I, I fully can. And I think it's one of those things where sometimes you do just get a bit tiresome of the, the usual content, which is kind of just, yeah, like you said, just outright negative all the time. And understandable, I think it was like one of the things that we were discussing um, before we actually started recording, which is just the case of social media in general, which can just be frustratingly just drab all the time. And the fact that you're so attached to this thing is just, yeah, it is just depressing. It can be just Absolutely. outright draining. And I think it almost leads me back to um, something that I find, um, I guess, quite interesting. And I think we did mention we were going to discuss it, is um, obviously Ted Bundy. It seems a little bit odd that we'd be talking about a serial killer. But in actual fact, he is the topic of two high-profile, high, high-profile events uh, currently. The release of a documentary series about him on Netflix and a forthcoming movie starring Zac Efron. Uh, Ted Bundy has already become a bit of a meme online and almost reaching some weird level of pin-up fandom. Um, that's Ted Bundy, ladies and gentlemen, notorious necrophiliac murderer, being played by the kid from High School Musical. Now, given how many now have an affinity to outrage out there in the world and the lampooning of the character by the same culture that has that affinity for outrage um, is occurring, um, are we reaching a white dwarf when it comes to pop culture self... Sorry, pop culture social consciousness? Wow, try saying that with uh, with false teeth. Um <laughs> Jamie, I mean, again, you know, I mean, let's be honest. If you follow Jamie on Facebook, he's got a knack for the, for the meme, you know. I, I asked him what was going on with that shaggy meme at the moment. He gave me an explanation. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very interesting because a lot of people are doing memes based on Ted Bundy. There's been a couple of ones which has Dennis Reynolds uh, assuming the Ted Bundy role. Oh, what is going on? Because you would think that a story about someone as notorious as Ted Bundy would be incredibly problematic and the kind of character that would be loathed rather than almost kind of like, I'm not saying championed, but like revered suddenly online. Is it a 4chan thing? What, what's going on? Why do you think people have suddenly got this vested interest in, you know, elevating Ted Bundy's status? Well, I won't even go so far as to say it's just exclusively Ted Bundy. I think it's it goes back to the whole murder porn thing, and that that almost goes back to um I think there was actually a South Park episode which even touched on um, um murder documentaries and crime documentaries and all that That's sort of thing. Right. There has always yeah. been this weird fascination that the general public has always had um with the macabre and the dark and all that sort of carry on. And I think Ted Bundy, I guess, um really does epitomise. Uh, one of the darkest corners, I guess, of the general psyche. I, I wouldn't say he's one of the only ones. Obviously, there's lots more of um, equally creepy and disgusting murderers like Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez. Um, some people would even argue saying uh, Eileen Warnos, which in herself, she actually became a bit of a cult hero to the feminist movement, which I still find um, quite amusing in a sense. Um, not to say that her story wasn't sad and terrible, but I do find it quite interesting that people are like, yeah, um, those men deserved it, and maybe some of them did, but still, it's um, quite an interesting um, take, I guess you could say. So starting off, obviously, like you said, uh, there is this documentary that has come out, Conversations with the Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, uh, and interestingly enough, um, just going firstly away from the meme currently, a lot of people have been complaining about this, saying, Netflix, what are you doing? Are you trying to monetize, um, obviously, from this very sick individual? But my question is, why has no one really made an issue with previous films and documentaries that have been focusing on murderers and other yeah, terrible things? Why is it this right. one? Why is it only because Netflix has finally done it? Is it because it's in the general, um, I guess, populace now? And uh, most, I guess, people of the newer generations uh, use Netflix, so maybe this is a first-time discovery for a lot of them. Is, do you think yeah, that might be the case? you're right. I think, um, I mean, like, we, Netflix in itself, I mean, they used, HBO used to do kind of documentaries. I mean, like, as an interview with the Iceman, which was yeah. a, a series of interviews with um, uh, 
no, you know, the Iceman, the notorious mafia hitman, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, and, and no one bellyached about that, you know? We've had countless documentaries about Ed Gein. We had Texas oh, Chainsaw yeah. Massacre heavily influenced about the whole Ed Gein uh, cases, John you know? Gacy. Um, we had Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, we uh, and all sorts. Maybe you are right, though, because Netflix is up there in the same utterance as Spotify, uh, when it comes to readily available access to these things. And because the content on Netflix is usually kind of either stand-up routines, television series of yonder, that something perhaps is kind of unnerving. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's problematic for a start. I, I honestly think that if you're doing something that is very clinical very pragmatic as in discussing about ted bundy perhaps that's not championing him you know and and that's why i brought up in the introduction to and you know when i threw over to you about is it a 4chan thing because 4chan are notorious for you know trolling popular culture you know there was the the free, uh, what, free blood movement there's now the okay sign uh that's apparently a symbol of uh uh, alt-right white nationalism you know mm. apparently that was fostered or potentially fostered by 4chan you know and are all of these memes perhaps you know a byproduct of that kind of trolling culture but you're right i think that people are up in arms because they wouldn't expect perhaps something of this nature to appear on netflix which is part of my language fucking hypocritical oh, because then you've got something like 13 reasons why that was Thank renewed you. for a second season which is definitely kind of problematic you know that was not a tale about someone committing suicide because they had nowhere to go you know that was more of a story that was straight up about bullying about someone being bullying and pushed to the point where they felt they had nowhere to go and i thought that it had actually glamorized suicide more so than anything else that was possibly it, it was one of the of, most know. i don't know about you man but for me personally viewing that it was easily one of the most terrifying series i've ever seen because i know the general audience of that show would have been quite young and i won't lie those last two episodes because I, I didn't even bother watching the second season because to be honest it did make me feel quite sick watching i could and i, and I, I know and i can understand obviously like the whole point behind it is for that shock value but still it, it was just too much it was way too much and i think for a younger audience that is probably going to be the viewing general viewing audience of that show it was very scary i yeah, I, I, think, I definitely I, agree with you on that one yeah so i think people i mean i think you know, because it's Ted Bundy, and Ted Bundy, you know, has has been known to be, I mean, like, all of his victims, you know, those that have lived, those that have met Ted Bundy, you know, I've all said that he is an incredibly charismatic, uh, good-looking-for-the-time kind of person, so I, I don't think it's so much the fact that the documentary is, is celebrating, it's more of a case of, you know, there is, I mean... We are all as humans inherently kind of interested in the macabre and in, in death and stuff like that. We are also inherently voyeurs, you know. I mean, we are the kind of people that would slow down and look out the side of, you know, look out the car window if they saw a car accident. And you know what you're going to expect. Nothing good, but we, we look at it, you know. So I, I do think that, all this uproar about Netflix doing a documentary uh, about Ted Bundy. Um, I think it's almost much, much ado about nothing. However, Hollywood has a tendency of romanticizing <laughs> these kind of characters. I mean, oh, Jordan yeah. Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Everyone romanticized about, oh, you know, what a cool dude. End of the day, he fucking stole people's money. He cheated on his wife, who was, you know, very faithful to him. You know, he was an abhorrent piece of shit. I don't think there was anybody likable in Wolf of Wall Street, but somehow it got lost in translation for some people about, yeah, you know, Jordan Belfort is great. That is my concern about what they do with Ted Bundy and, and the movie with Zac Efron, you know, is that, you know, they'll focus more on him being this charismatic talker, you know, rather than this 
loathsome, disgusting individual. And, you know, I, I think perhaps that's where the moral panic stems at the moment since the trailers have come online is that oh, yeah. people really do not want to have, you know, this individual, Ted Bundy, you know, uh, uh, in, a, in a situation where he's revered or he's, you know, front and center when it comes to a, a Hollywood movie, no matter how the movie pans out or what the actual content of the movie involves, you know, I mean, Definitely. from the trailers, it turned, you know, from the trailers is one thing, but then it could turn out when you watch, uh, you know, the scenes in the trailer in context of the whole movie, he might be played out as, you know, the abhorrent human being that that he is you know but i think that is hopefully you... going to be the direction he takes it because that goes back to also and because we did discuss it the memes uh, i know i know i i have to post i have posted in the past ted bundy memes uh the majority of them talking about the fact it's very topical like mostly the memes relate to the fact why are people idolizing this guy and saying he's a good-looking charming fellow one for starters he doesn't look that good-looking Really, and um, I know that's obviously a very, a very um, a frontal thing to really be discussing well, about know, it. But, he's, but also, he's, he's got a certain John Cougar Mellencamp kind of look about him. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Do you know what I mean? No, no, you know what I mean. Really? It's like oh, Jesse. maybe. Uh, it's like Uncle Jesse from Full House. You know, it's like oh, a housewife's favorite. That kind of look. Um, but anyway, maybe. sorry. The jerseys. Well, it's the jerseys, obviously. But yeah, the other thing being like the idolization. That is what a lot of the memes are taking the piss out of the fact that. Women are genuinely saying, oh, my God, I love these young Ted Bundy photos. And it's like, come on, seriously, how can you be giving this guy any sort of, like, idolization? He is a disgusting human being. But like you said, I think the one thing, because you've obviously watched the trailer of this film, uh, which if uh, you haven't heard about this film, honestly, is possibly going to be one of the biggest talking points of the year. It's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, which I have to say is possibly one of the best titles for a film about this man. Um, Very apt. Yeah. How did you react to the soundtrack? The soundtrack was the thing that really did it for me. I think if they had edited the the trailer a little bit differently, possibly used different... Uh, score for the trailer itself i think it would have been a different reaction but i felt like this was like an outlaw film like there were scenes of him driving the car hunting down women with this um sort of like classic blues rock almost sort of feel to it while he's driving his car around it was well, it's disgusting. dangerous isn't it because oh, it yeah. almost portrays ted bundy if he's not being portrayed um in the trailer as a hero he's certainly being portrayed as an anti-hero, and I know that he is the focus of the movie, you know, so obviously he has to be the focal point of the trailers, you know, but the the words that I've used there, Jamie, hero or anti-hero, you know, um, I got the feeling that's how they were going to portray him. Um, Mm. And you mentioning kind of like, oh, you come across as a, a bit of an outlaw, you know, like the bad boy. Like, he wasn't a bad boy. He was fucking horrific, you know. Yeah, he exactly. Would, he would kill women and then return back to a uh, trigger warning. Sorry, trigger warning, by the way. He would kill women and then return back to the scene of where he left the bodies and continue to do whatever humanly possible he wanted to do until they were basically reached a point of putrefaction it's a character who uh, it's not even a character so it's a person who kept severed heads um in his home you know no one liked patrick bateman from american psycho who was played brilliantly by the way uh by christian bale you know and and you know we didn't like Patrick Bateman, you know, we found him a loathsome character. I enjoyed the movie because he was a loathsome character, you know. Oh, completely. He, Patrick Bateman wasn't an anti-hero. He was, he was just a straight-up villain. You know, he had that charisma about him, and then it snapped, and then you realized this guy's a psychopath, you know. Um, I would and, like to I see. Could, oh, I would like which, to see a sexy John Wayne Gacy, though. Like, come on, like, who, who do you reckon could possibly play John Wayne Gacy? Oh, I have no idea. I have no idea. Part say- of me wanted to say Vincent D'Onofrio, but he's done his <laughs> he's done his run with serial killers because yeah. he was in that awful Jennifer Lopez movie, um, The Cell. 
Uh, oh, if he yes. was if he was still alive, I bet you Philip Seymour Hoffman would have done a good job. Oh, completely, mate. He gets he gets the nuances, you know. He really does. But um, yeah, uh, my worry is that they don't, you know, at the moment with the trailer and with the way that they're hyping Zac Efron's star leading role in this, that you know, um, and I'm not. I, I again, I can't say this and I'm not for fucking censorship you know I think if a story Mm. needs to be told it needs to be told you know but from the reaction some people have about oh you know like he's a good looking guy oh you know what a sexy looking guy it's like hold up maybe we're missing the point about this movie and hopefully this movie demonstrates how much uh, you know it vilifies Ted Bundy further and uh, hopefully people will turn around and decide, oh, you know, he's he's not really a good-looking person. He's actually a vile, disgusting piece of shit. Pardon my language, you know. But yeah. is this indicative about how people feel full stop, you know, about... Oh, I don't know if, that, if, it, if, if it's a tangent, if I may go on one, just about kind of bad boys in general, because Ted Bundy and, and these things, it's not uncommon, Jamie... Um, there are people out there that believe that um, Chris Brown can do no wrong. Oh, completely. And, and again, here, another trigger warning for everybody. I'm, I'm just being mindful because it's not a nice topic to talk about. Mm. Um, if talking about Ted Bundy was a nice topic anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, there were, there were a sect of people that um, would put up, tw- you know, would tweet about, you know, and this was around the time that Chris Brown, allegedly so our lawyers have told us to say, um, had uh, non-consensual sex or rape with a girl. And uh, there were a wave of people that would tweet just saying, it's not rape when it's Chris Brown, you know. Every girl should be oh, lucky mate, having yeah. sex with Chris Brown. Well, where the hell does that come from? Yeah. Uh, I- how, how has that become a thing now, you know? Because... That that's not that's not right, man. You know, like end of the day, no rape is justified. At no point should anyone ever feel that pressure if it's Chris Brown or or, or whoever you know. So, are there a sect of younger people out there that perhaps aren't familiar with you know, will have no idea about the moral compass when it comes to consent or or you know. Are our people trolling? I just don't know, man. I really don't. Yeah, it's that confusing thing where um, obviously a lot of people, yeah, it's, uh, what do they call it? Hyperstophilia, which is like the kind of like attraction to people that have committed like serious crimes and like killed people and things like that. Is it a sense that we're getting a new wave of like people who apparently like this um, sort of fetish, which is it is, it is a fetish. It's a weird bloody yeah. fetish. Maybe there is a new wave of it, or like you said, maybe it is a joke. But it's that whole thing of like people, yeah, like going back to the Ted Bundy thing. People are like, yeah, he's daddy, and it's like, come on, like, it, yeah, it is disturbing. It really is disturbing, and it's not to say that it's a a, a solely female thing. I've heard plenty oh. of males that have made similar comparisons about just as many terrible women who have done terrible things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, even talking about, what Eileen Vernos, you know, there were guys like, oh, you know, what a babe, you know, oh, it's stunning, absolutely, like, you know, I'd get into a car, you know, and then it trivializes kind of like rape. Yeah, it does. It First really does. Almost, you know, you know, and it's almost kind of, I'm not saying it teaches people that, you know, about consent or anything like that you know i mean mm. i'm not i i am no way i'm at this stage saying that i am some moral arbiter when it comes to kind of you know what young people should be into or what young people are discussing or not you know but um it, it does absolutely astound me when you see like young people putting up those posts about ted bundy about chris brown about r kelly for god's sakes you know well, and and we, oh, all yeah. know, we all knew that, uh, you know, about R. Kelly, you know, and it took a documentary series to finally bring to light that, you know, when when it, when it was commonplace, you know. I think that's the and, one thing I find confusing, mate. Like what you said, this was common knowledge for a very long time. Why does it take some stupid Netflix documentary or anything of the such 
to really shine a light on it. There was never a light to be shone. Everyone knew about it, just everyone ignored it. It's it's actually quite disturbing. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely, you know. Um, I don't know when the movie's coming out. Uh, that's how much research I did about oh, it. Oh, the it Ted was Bundy more... film, are you manning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's, actually, it's actually already uh, been put out, and critics have actually said, and this is the thing I find quite interesting, uh, critics have already praised uh, Zac Efron himself for his portrayal of uh, the killer, but there has been quite a few people that have come out and said this glamorizes it, which is pretty interesting because um, I don't really know if that is the definitive truth, and I know it sounds really terrible, but you can never really fully trust critics, but there was one comment from a previous survivor of Ted Bundy who said exactly the same thing. So it's going to be pretty interesting when it's put out to full release uh, what the general reaction of the film is going to be. But, um, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, the, the, Guardian, the Guardian's just put, uh, well, the Guardian put up a review uh, on the 28th, uh, which was late last month. Um, it got three stars out of five, according to The Guardian, uh, their byline being, the star's charismatic and creepy performance as a notorious serial killer is the best thing about an otherwise pedestrian and graceless drama. And do you know what, Jamie? I'm actually kind of glad that it's pedestrian. I'm no prude or anything like that, but <laughs> if it's called pedestrian, you know, if it's a slow-moving thing, then good because if it was like a fast action pace kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word romp, but mm. romp. That's what it seems um, like, definitely. That would be completely different, yeah. Imagine if Adam McKay did, oh, did, did it. Oh, God. Fucking oh, hell. Oh, Lord. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Maybe, um, maybe Chris so, Pratt even, you know, playing his usual, like, a charming oh, comedy no, guy. Chris, Look. Chris Chris Pratt's had a lot of shit this week, man. Oh, you know? yeah, we won't even get into that, jeez. Ellen Page taking him to town because of Hillsong, you know? Well, I kind of don't we're blame from, her. Hillsong is terrible. We're from New Zealand, man, you know, so we knew what Hillsong was all about because <laughs> yeah. we had Brooke Frazier, you know? Um, oh, but there is the you. argument. Now, you know what? Um, we'll, we'll quickly touch upon this as well because okay, we're talking good. about it now. Um Hillsong's stance on the whole kind of uh, they're against gay affirmation is that they would be more they're more than welcome to have gay people you know anyone uh, attend their church attend one of their services be part of their congregation but they would not affirm gay marriage or you know homosexuality in that it means that they would not officially recognize it as part of their uh, their dogma you know like mm. you're not gonna have kind of like a church leader that would be gay is what they were going for you know um why ellen page has called out chris pratt at this stage i do not know i think she was more calling out um the cold bear show rather than chris pratt i think chris yeah. pratt by proxy um what was thrown under the bus i mean her tweet was about how um the cold bear show gave a platform for Hillsong who are anti-LGBTQ. She forgot the I yeah. and the plus, but we won't hold that against her. Um, and then all of a sudden it just dissolved into like, Ellen Page doesn't like Chris Pratt. And it's like, yeah, no, oh, no, no, man. no, no, Ellen Page didn't like the idea that a late night, a popular late night talk show um, gave agency to something that she is wholly against, you know? But at the same time, didn't she go on Colbert not too long ago and was talking about how angry she was with the industry? Yeah, exactly. I feel like I, I do actually kind of feel bad for it because I feel like her comments were taken out of context and I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think she was actually targeting Chris Pratt. I think fully she was targeting uh, the idea of these media conglomerates obviously promoting these terrible organisations which do kind of promote... Uh, these kind of uh, askew views. And that's not to say that religious groups can't have their own views, even if it is very, um, I guess, caveman-esque in the sense where uh, they still believe that they have to, I guess, uh, try and ensure that these people aren't in the public eye, when especially amongst Hillsong. Uh, but, yeah, I think it is quite stupid, the whole scenario itself. But um, 
One other thing I did want to touch on quickly, which I'm not sure whether we should go into it, but I'm going to touch on it and see how it goes, uh, is the Liam Neeson comments, which has possibly been one of the biggest stories to happen in pop culture um, over the last week. See, I I don't know how to reconcile that one either, Jamie, because is it a reconciling? Is it a reconciling though? I don't know. Right, I I there's a difficulty regarding the decay because what he what I thought he was trying to do was to give a anecdote about how you know how vile we are sometimes when it comes to trying to justify an actor a use of violence to basically be a rebuke towards an act of violence that was against ourselves i mean in this case it didn't you know he found out that somebody had raped a friend of his, that person being uh, of black uh, origin. And uh, then, you know, he was just marching up and down with a, with a chalet, which is just a, basically a giant stick with a rounded part at the end, um, looking for this person or looking for anybody who fit the description. Now, I think that is where the trouble lay, Jamie, because oh, he's talking, I mean, they are a, calling someone a black bastard is is just fucking awful, you know. Oh, completely. It's it's very strong, you know. Are people up in arms about the language that he used? I'm not too sure about that. I think people are more up in arms about the fact that he admitted that anybody who was black would have done in order for him to enact some sort of vengeance. And for him, he was telling that anecdote. Well, first of all. Was he selling a movie or not? I don't know. Liam Neeson's style sometimes is that he tries to he tries to relate his movies or he tries to relate stuff to a personal aspect of his life. And on this occasion, it was about the sense of him wanting to gain revenge, you know? So yeah. was it the comment? Uh, were people more up in arms about his use, uh, about his derogatory slur, perhaps? I, I think people were more up in arms, though, about the fact that, you know, without any prejudice whatsoever, he was just willing to to beat the hell out of any black individual that he came across that started upon him, you know? I completely agree with that. I think that was the main point that a lot of people, I think, were getting frustrated with. The, the people that tried to retort in regards to... Um, the comments that Neeson had made, like you said, um, people were saying, oh, it's because of the, the use of the term black bastard. I don't think it was at all. I think the main reason in trying to say, oh, people were getting a bit too sensitive about this, I don't really agree with that statement. I think it is quite nasty, the fact that there was obviously at one point where he was looking for any black individual. Um, I think the other thing that really took me by, um, not by no, well, actually, no, it did take me by surprise, was the fact that you can sometimes forgive people for making comments out of context and not really thinking about it, but it was the fact that Neeson himself acknowledged the fact that the comment he was making was bad. He even said that during, because um, uh, obviously, I, I don't know if you've heard, uh, the journalist had eventually come out. I believe she did actually work for The Guardian. Yeah, uh, And did, uh, and did the, say, off the record... The Guardian or was it The Independent? Sorry, The Independent. Um, One of them. Yeah, basically said... Off the record, this is what he said. I had the option of either publishing what he had said or not. The fact that he himself had actually said, oh, hopefully um, this is off the record, definitely says that he knew what he was saying was definitely not right. So no, but it's, then, it's a like, hard shame one. Shame on him. Shame on him, Jamie, because he should know by now that when you are being interviewed by a journalist, okay, yeah. nothing is off the record. Exactly, exactly. Nothing what is was off he the thinking? Record. I mean, even in that soundbite that did all of the rounds when, you know, the, this all came to light, even by his own admission, he was saying, I don't know why I'm saying this to a journalist, God forbid, you know? Yeah. And I, I still don't know why, you know? Um, there was a fantastic, again, Philip DeFranco uh, did a fantastic little piece on this, where um, a lot of people are arguing that if it was in the context of, say, an interview with Oprah Winfrey, you know, and I'm paraphrasing um, DeFranco here, but when he was saying that, if it was Liam Neeson went on Oprah Winfrey and, and told the whole dialogue and Oprah Winfrey turned around to him and said, 
oh, but Liam, why did you do that? That's a horrific thing. Shame on you. And Liam said, I know, and, you know, I, I, I just want people to know that, you know, that never gets anyone anywhere. And that kind of context is him revealing that kind of aspect of his life. Would it be permissible? Some people say yes, other people say no. But I think what a lot of people are getting to go about is, and, and one thing that I still find strange as well, off the record or not, doing a press junket, you know, about a movie about revenge, using using that kind of, you know, that kind of anecdote when you're being asked about the idea of a revenge movie as well, it's kind of some people, and a little part of me, unfortunately, the cynic in me seems to think, fucking hell, you really want to sell that movie, don't you? That you're willing to throw yourself under the bus, you know? God knows why he did it. And I know that you said that, you know, it, it was meant to be off the record or anything like that. But, you know, ultimately, me being a journalist, you know, if somebody said something salacious like that to me, I'd fucking go for it. I'm sorry. Uh, ethically, morally, oh, yeah. that might be wrong. Ethically, that might be wrong. But we're in a 24-hour news cycle now, you know, and salaciousness sells. So she's made a career now. She is, the journalist has definitely made her career by doing that. Liam Neeson's Liam Neeson. I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine. Oh, he'll know, recover it. from it. He'll just do Taken 4, Liam. You'll be all right, you exactly. know. Exactly. Fucking Taken 4, do a remake of Darkman with Sam Raimi, we'll be all right. Just fucking have some common sense to know if you're being interviewed by a journalist that things are not going to be uh, off the record, okay? Um, the uh, the documentary about Ted Bundy is on Netflix now. Uh, the uh, movie itself, uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, um, is out in cinemas now as well and um, that pretty much brings us to an end of our podcast it certainly does mate and i've to say it's great to be back with you and to have these deep delving discussions into some of the crazier things that have happened not only throughout the week uh but just in general in our lives it's always nice mate to be joined by you no absolutely okay so look we promise uh, we'll be doing this more often than not um you might be wondering why this is coming out on a thursday evening as well just gives you a chance if you're in new zealand good morning new zealand this is the yakupo cast um if you're listening to this over the weekend have a fantastic weekend uh, me and jamie we will promise we will both be back next week with a bit more to talk about any suggestions as always though um, hello at ekagaipro.net. You can follow us on Twitter at ekagaipro or on Instagram at ekagaixpro. And uh, look, we'll have a couple more articles up for you. But until then, say goodbye, Jamie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.